0: Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.MtZionChula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Turn to Psalm 19 in your Bible. at verses 7 through 11 of Psalm 19 um, as we talked about the transforming power of God's Word. Um, We'll close out this series next week talking about abiding in His Word. The the, uh, church newsletter says um, something in Psalm 119 about do you love His Word? As I was thinking through and praying, um, a lot of that falls into other sermons that I've preached in this series, so we're going to talk next week about abiding in His Word. Um, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing. The void of space wasn't even there. And God spoke, let there be. And there was. The entire universe exploded on the scene through the power of his voice, through his word. There's power in his word, literally, to cause stars and galaxies to begin to exist. One night, Jesus and his disciples were on a boat and a storm picked up. Jesus was napping on a cushion. And the disciples got scared. They woke him up. And they, they, they said, we're, we're, we're going to sink. We're going to die. We're in a storm. And Jesus stood up and he spoke a word. Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves were silent. As if there had never been any there. There's power in his word to make the storms cease to exist. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, the moment of his death drew near. Under the full weight of our sin and the power of death, he opened his mouth and cried out, It is finished. And he died. And all of his work was accomplished in that moment. There's power in his word to defeat the powers of evil in the world. God's word holds infinite power. His word has the power to make mountains shake, to make demons run and tremble. His word has the power to create the universe and to destroy it. And when we say word, we're not just talking about his vocal word that comes out of his mouth. Understand the Bible is that powerful word. These are the same words that that he speaks from his mouth in in these pages. These are the very words of God. You have to believe that by faith. When you do, you'll see the glory of this book in ways you didn't before. The world looks at the Bible and and says this is just an outdated religious text with a lot of errors and a lot of oppressive teaching. But we look at it and we see the same word that spoke the universe into existence. The same word that God spoke at the beginning of time to create galaxies is the words you read on these pages. It's the same word. And that word has the power to transform you and change you. If you're never changing in accordance with God's word, you're not reading it right. You will not just remain the same forever. God alone does that. You will either be transformed more into the image of Jesus or you will regress back into your worldly state. God's word does that transforming work. And so let's see how it does that. Verses 7 through 11 of Psalm 19. more of a by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward one day Jesus was cornered by some religious leaders and they 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 were going to ask him a question they wanted to trip him up that they wanted to um, try and catch him in a in a misstep so that they could spread that throughout Jerusalem and, and discredit him and so they they cornered him and they asked him what's the greatest commandment what's the greatest one And Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Four things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That is, you love God in all of life. And that is mediated through his word. You have to have the word of somebody to love them. You have, to, you have to communicate with them, to, to have a true loving relationship with them. You have to have that word. I don't love some random person in Nepal that I've never met before. Not that I don't want good for them, not that I, want, I don't want them to die or anything, but, but I don't love them personally because I don't know anything about them. I've never met them. I've, I, I don't have a relationship with them. I never talk to them. Their existence has no bearing on my life. I'm married to my wife and we talk every day. You wouldn't think a marriage was very healthy if the spouses never talked. Imagine that I never talked to my wife, but I claimed I love her so much in my heart. You'd raise some eyebrows. Yet that's how the average person who calls themselves a Christian relates to God. They'll say, I love God, but they never open their Bible and hear from him. And they'll only talk to him when they need something. That's not a healthy Christian life. And it's not fulfilling the great commandment that Jesus gave to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Notice Psalm 19 calls God's word several things. Um, he, he calls it um, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts, the commandments, um, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord, all of those things. Uh, the, in the, the general sense is that, is that the word testifies to who God is and what he expects of us. They didn't have the full scripture that we have yet, they really only had the, the books of Moses at this point because David wrote this psalm, you'll see up in the superscription at the beginning of the psalm. David wrote this, when David was king, the first five books of Moses were the only solid you know, pieces of scripture they had. Some of the others had been written but they weren't necessarily cataloged the same way yet. Um, when David was alive, the law of the Lord was his Bible. The, the books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, one of those we, we've read a lot, one of them we've read half of, and the other three we've probably skimmed over. But that was his Bible. As we've looked at the last few weeks, all scripture clearly and authoritatively testifies to the God who we are to love. It's, it is literally his word coming forward. Remember, that's inspiration. Our, our voice is key to our identity. So here's the deal, if we played a game and I picked one of you, and I blindfolded you and, and set you there in the front row, and I had the rest of you come up on stage one at a time and speak into this microphone, that person right there in that front row would probably know who each person is when they heard them speak because they know each one of you. Your voice is tied to your identity. That, that's, that's how it is. So when we hear the voice of God in Scripture, we, 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 we know it's him. We, we understand that's, his voice proclaims who he is, and it changes all that you are. When you fill your life with God's word, it changes everything about you. It first changes your affections, those four things that Jesus said, um, the, the, the heart, the mind, the soul, the strength. We can see all four of those here in Psalm 19. Um, the, the law of the Lord rejoices the heart, verse 8, the, the, the heart. When you, when you hear heart, don't think of um, the way we do in our day with heart, you know, Valentine's Day, all lovey-dovey. Um, the heart in the day that Psalm 19 was written was the um, bare bones of who you were it's if it it was the engine of your life like if, if you boiled you down to the tiny bit that remains your heart is what we're talking about so at the core of who you are love god with that and let his word rejoice the essence of who you are the word of god brings joy to that part of you that's the goal make you rejoice our natural demeanor is not toward joy or at least mine isn't it's toward the opposite. Negativity, complaining spirit, disgruntlement, hostility, hatred. That's our sinful self. That's what we try, that's that's where we naturally go. We have to let his word transform us and make us something else. God's word changes us and brings us joy as we meditate on its truth. Notice as well, reviving the soul, verse seven, and then enlightening the eyes, verse eight. And um, we could tie in strength there. The love of the Lord with your heart, mind, soul, strength. So, soul and, and strength are both. Their eyes often tied to strength in the in the Old Testament. Now, when you hear soul, there don't think um, don't don't think of a spirit. Um, like that non-physical spirit that's in you that passes on when, when your body dies. We do have that, but, but when the Old Testament speaks of a soul, um, it's, it's more talking about um, all of who you are, your, your life force, all of who you are. It's the, it's, if the heart is the core of who you are, the soul is all that you are, every part of you. In the Garden of Eden, God breathed the breath of life into Adam. And Ecclesiastes says that when you die, he takes his breath back. It's not speaking of the spirit that passes on there. It's, it's, it's your life force. Every, everything in you that gives you life is what we're talking about when we talk about a soul. So as your life is drained and you lose strength, the word of God restores and revives that life within you, verse 7. He restores my soul, Psalm 23 says. He it strengthens the eyes, again, t- tying that to, to, to strength. Um, eyes, obviously, tying to um, your, your physical and mental ability. Um, and then finally, the fourth thing that Jesus talked about, making wise the simple. So um, m- making wise the mind. doesn't specifically say mind there, but that's where wisdom is. Um, the scriptures form your mind, which affects the rest of you. You should be growing in your knowledge and wisdom from God's word. Not just from life experience. We grow from that as well. But we should be growing in our knowledge and wisdom that comes from God's word. You see, we live in a day of, ma- of a massive amount of resources to learn God's word. Like the amount of books and articles and videos and sermons and Bible studies we have is, is something that, that the Apostle Paul probably never imagined. Um, even just what we have with the church right now, media media. Um, the, the thing that people can look at to, to to find Bible study videos and everything that many in our church use, there's more material and right now media, there's more content at their fingertips than the entire world had 500 years ago. It's just insane. And it's embarrassing how little the average American churchgoer knows God's word. To, because Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. The longer you've been a Christian, the more you should know God's word. In our college Bible study the other night, um, one of the we were talking about God's sovereignty, um, and and one of the girls in there asked, um, she, she just got saved last year, and she said, um, this may be a dumb question, um, but uh, what does the word sovereign mean? And a couple of the students started you know laughing at her, and she was like, I just got saved, guys, chill out, I just got saved. Because if you just got saved, um, you, you, you don't know what those things mean. But if you've been a Christian 20 years and you've had access to all of these resources, you should be able to not only define God's sovereignty, but show us where the Bible teaches it. Yet the average churchgoer in America can't even tell you the difference in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't know the basics, how are you going to know the deeper wisdom? Like, like what do you do if a person in the church comes to you with a battle of depression? And you're going to talk to them from God's word. How, how do you do it? Or what if one of our youth comes out as gay? What are you going to say to them? Or if what if you have a lost person before you that needs the gospel? What are you going to do? God's word will transform your mind and make you wise. And it will show you, it, it will show if you don't apply yourself to it. Because you will lack biblical wisdom. You may have a lot of worldly wisdom, and that's great. We need that too. But biblical wisdom you won't have. There is power in this word to change your affections and make you love the Lord. You must apply yourself to it. Think of all the ways that it does it. Think of all the ways God's word transforms. Um, Genesis 1.1, it commands. It commands, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It instructs us. Think Philippians 4.6. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And so many other examples. It comforts us. John 14, 1 through 3. um, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and were it not so, I would not have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself. That's comfort. God's word judges. Revelation 19, when Jesus returns in the clouds, um, one, one of the details it makes about him is that he has a sword coming out of his mouth. That's not meant to be read literally. He doesn't literally have a sword shooting out of his mouth. It's, it's symbolic to say his word is his weapon. His word is his weapon. He, his judgment is going to slay his enemies. It sanctifies. God's word sanctifies. John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify these people in your word. Romans 12.2, we read it earlier, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, that as you behold the glory of the Lord, you're transformed into his likeness. God's word promises us things, Romans 8, that nothing will ever separate us from the love of Christ. Not, not tribulation or despair or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, and all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. It heals God's Word heals. It, it heals our um, broken spirit. It heals our um, anger. It heals even our physical maladies. You, you see the, the, the miracles of Jesus. Um, what, what did he do in a lot of those? He spoke, and they were healed. Roman centurion comes to him, and he says, Hey, I've got a servant back home, and, and he's sick. And, um, but, but don't come. Don't come, Lord. I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. So just say the word and I know he'll be healed. And Jesus says, okay, he's healed. Go home. Jesus just says it and it's healed. God's word has power. Not only that, verse 9, it changes your worship. It first changes your affections. We just talked about that. It changes your worship. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. God's word produces fear of the Lord in you. Holy reverence and awe. You won't be in awe and reverence of a God you don't know very well, or a God that you don't hear his thunderous voice of. Back in 1976, um, when they were filming the first Star Wars movie, um, it's kind of funny because you can go watch this online um, in the making of. um, You can go watch the filming of the opening scene. If you know the opening scene of Star Wars, um, these rebel pilots are being attacked by Darth Vader and his stormtroopers and they all get slaughtered and Darth Vader comes in and looks at all of them and he's really towering and menacing and then he grabs the leader and he's like choking him and yelling at him and um, James Earl Jones does the voice of Darth Vader because he's got a really menacing voice, right? Um, But he wasn't in the suit, the Darth Vader suit. That was a different actor. And it's funny because you go back and watch the filming of that scene and the guy in the suit said the lines, and he does not have a menacing voice like Darth Vader, like James Earl Jones. So you got this, you know, redneck dude holding up this guy, um, you know, saying the lines, but he just sounds like, you know, a hillbilly, a wimpy hillbilly under there. It's not the same thing. It doesn't sound the same. That they replaced his voice because they recognize the power of a voice. And that if you don't have a powerful voice, um, it's not going to carry the same weight. God's voice has... Power and if you don't know it, if you think it's some wimpy hillbilly voice, you're not going to have the same reverence and awe for that God. You won't worship a God you think isn't that magnificent, who doesn't have a thunderous and powerful voice. That God that he he might teach you some good morals and, and that's good, we need good morals, but the, the morals that he'll teach you you could learn on Sesame Street. You need a thunderous voice and powerful voice of God to command your life, and it's found in his word. You need God's word to transform how you view him, the glory and majesty you see in him. God's word has power to transform your view of him. You, you, you just must see his majesty. You must behold his glory in the scriptures. Verse 10, God's word changes your desires. He changes your desires. That when you are in His Word, there'll be more desire than gold, even much fine gold. There'll be sweeter than honey, like fresh honey right off the honeycomb. You'll desire God's Word more than that. I strive, partially strive to to live a healthy lifestyle with exercise and diet, and I go in and out of doing that well. And um, diet specifically, I go in and out of doing well. Um, Here's the deal: when I'm not eating healthy and I make the decision to start doing so, I'm going to start eating healthy again, it's really hard at first. It's just really hard. It's hard to choose the grilled option rather than the fried option because it's just sucking joy out of your life. It's hard to choose a salad instead of a milkshake. It it really is. But after I've done it for a couple weeks, consistently, every meal, uh, I'm craving those healthier things. I'm craving the grilled option and the salad and and the, you know, you know, the the vegetables instead of the French fries and, and all of that stuff. I'm I'm craving those things. I have no problem getting a salad or the grilled option. My body adapts and my cravings change. But I have to put the discipline to myself to get to that point. I have to resist the first few days. Scripture changes your desires. You start wanting things you didn't want before and not wanting things you did. Look at what it says. Remember, it's more desired than gold. That is like like just theoretical scenario. You you have the option to either um, have God's word or have all the gold in the world. And he says his word is more desired than the gold. It's sweeter than honey. So think of the sweetest thing you've ever had and then think of God's word and which one incites in you more, more desire. Scripture will become something you, you desire more than the treasure chest and more than your favorite dessert. First Peter 2.2 2 says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for the word like my newborn longs for milk. That's what it says. You must discipline yourself to be in God's word so that your desires may over time change to where you want God's word. I struggle with a lot of spiritual disciplines, but but as of right now, reading the Bible daily is not really something I struggle to do. I struggle to do several other things, but um, it's not because I'm a pastor. Uh, I've been doing this since before I was a pastor. I wake up, and as sure as I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to read God's Word. Uh, I struggle with prayer and fasting and, and evangelism and things like that, but, but I just don't struggle with reading God's Word. Because I feel naked if I don't read it in the morning. And that comes from over 10 years now of reading it every day. My soul has been transformed to desire it because that's what God does in us. And that can happen for you too. Are you going to put in the discipline? Are you going to make yourself read God's word even if you don't have time to do so? Are you going to make time to do it and and eventually get to the point where you can't go a day without opening it up? It's going to take years to get there, but you can put the work in and get there. And it changes. it changes your affections, it changes your worship, it changes your desires, it changes your life. Verse 11, moreover by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. It changes your life, first through warning you. Warning changes your direction, doesn't it? When we were on vacation in St. Augustine last month, um, it was, we were there during the, the hurricane that came through and um, it was the day before the hurricane came and um, we didn't actually get that, it was actually worse, it was safer for us to stay there than to come back here, um, so we'll, Tifton and Valdosta got it worse, but um, when we were on vacation there, um, we went to the downtown area of St. Augustine the day before the hurricane hit, and we didn't get downtown until about one o'clock. Um, we wanted to do several things down there, the Fountain of Youth and the Fort and the Shops and all that stuff, But um, Right when we got down there, we got across that bridge with the lions on the end of it, and um, we got word that they were closing that bridge at 5 p.m. To, to get things sealed up for the hurricane. And if you weren't back across by 5 p.m., it, it would have been difficult for us to get back to our hotel because it was down the, down the state a little bit. Um, that, that warning changed our plans for the day. We didn't get to do everything we had hoped to do. We did the Fountain of Youth. We stopped and got some ice cream, and then we took off back to the hotel. Um, God's word is full of warnings because he loves you. Because he loves you. He warns those he loves so they don't destroy themselves. Same way that that I warned Haddon not to do certain things don't run through the kitchen while I have the oven open. Don't come near me when I'm grilling. I don't want you to get near the, near the grill. Don't go outside our fenced-in part of the yard next to the pond if I'm not out there with you. I don't do that to take the fun out of life for him. I do that because I love him, and I know more than he does. It warns us, by, by, him, by them your servant is warned, and it also gives great reward for keeping them. It produces abundant life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is found in hearing God's word, knowing God's word, loving God's word, and following God's word. The devil tries to convince you otherwise. He tries to convince you it's bondage to have to read God's word. That's ridiculous. There, there are times, believe it or not, when bondage is a good thing. A fish is bound to water. A fish is in bondage to water. If someone ever convinces the fish, hey, go up and try the land out. What happens to the fish? He dies. There's great reward in keeping God's word. Do you believe that? God's word has power. It has the power that you need. Do you believe that? Then work constantly to discipline yourself to be in his word. Read it and meditate on it. Don't just start, don't just read it like you would read something on your phone, you know, just scrolling really quick. Read it and stop and think about what you read and the implications of it. Memorize it. Commit to memorize some of it. You learn Bible verses in new ways when you take the time to commit them to memory. Pray God's word. Use scripture to guide your prayers. We just start praying our prayers and and they're often kind of weird. We say a bunch of really empty things that just sound holy. We're trying to make sure there's a good holy opening to our prayers. And then we list off a bunch of requests. And then we say a few more holy goodbyes, and that's it. What, what if you opened your Bible and read a verse and used that to guide your prayers? Let me show you how this works. Flip one page over in your Bible to Psalm 23. Let's just work through it and see what a prayer of Psalm 23 would be like. The Lord is my shepherd. God, I thank you that you're my shepherd, and I thank you that you're going to shepherd me through the decisions that I have to make today. And I thank you that um, you 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 guide your people like a good shepherd. And Lord, I know I know that um, that that one person in particular, I don't know. I know that Steve is is really trying to make a decision about his job. Would you shepherd him through that decision? Would you help him to do that? Um, I shall not want. Lord, I got to confess to you. I really want some stuff right now. I really want this, and I want that, and I want this. Would you please align my desires to you and not to myself, Lord? My cousin really is is really in a lot of want financially. Would you provide all of his needs? Would you take care of him? Would you do that? He makes me lie down in green. Pastures, Lord, I got to admit my life's a little hectic right now. Would you be that good shepherd and and help me lie down in green pastures and rest? I need rest. And you just do that, and you work through. And every time you get to another line, you, you you pray and you pray until you're out of things to pray for. You pray through God's word that way. What scripture do you use for this? Well, you can use any, but the Psalms are good. There's 150 Psalms, so there's 30. There's 31 days in a month, so um, if you just do the math, you can start at day one and do the, the. You can pick the first psalm, the 31st psalm, the 61st psalm, the 91st, and the 121st, and you can just you know, count up from every single day like that, 30, t- 30, 30, 30, 30, up. Um, and if you have a 31st day of the month, do Psalm 119, because it's like longer than half the books of the Bible. Um, pray God's word, proclaim God's word. This isn't open air preaching; it could be, but but just talking about it in your life, day to day. Um, does God's word, does God or His word, ever come up when you're at family dinner, or when you're driving your car around with, with somebody in your car? Because remember what Deuteronomy six says: These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. Like, he basically says there, just talk about it all the time and put reminders of it everywhere. Talk about it when you're sitting at, your, at dinner, talk about it when you lie down, and when you get up in the morning, and, and everywhere. That's what he says. We, we certainly proclaim it to people that, that, that we don't know, But we also talk about it with the people that we do know. And as you discipline yourself to be in it, God will transform you to do that. And finally, if you believe his word has power, trust it. Trust it. His word has power. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. His word will prove true and lasting. You can take that to the bank. You can trust it. So because his word does transforming work, you can trust his powerful word to do that in you now. And so let's pray in light of that. Father, your word is good. I thank you for how your word transforms us. And Lord, I pray that you would do that work in us. Lord, I pray that we would read your word and meditate on your word and memorize your word and pray your word and proclaim it and trust it and Um, Everything else, Lord, may, may we fill our lives with scripture. That you would do that transforming work in us because we need it. We need it. We are not yet what we will be one day. We are not yet perfect. And until we reach that point, you are one degree at a time changing us to be more like Jesus. And you do that through your word. And so would you do that in the lives of each one of us? We pray as we go from here that you would... Um, Help us to um, love you and, and, and be in your word and use us that we might be able to share your word with somebody else, that they can come to know you and know your word. Be with us as we go from here tonight in Jesus' name, amen.